How many of you feel like you could use a breakthrough right about now? <laughs> With everything that's going on, I'm sure here, those of you that are at home, I think we all could use a breakthrough. Um, we feel like we've kind of been stuck in this place for a while now. Things are heavy, um, and it doesn't, doesn't, at least we can't see um, how all this is going to um, end, how it's going to come to an end. And so we could use a breakthrough. If you look in Webster's Dictionary, the word breakthrough is defined as a sudden, dramatic, and important advance. A sudden, dramatic, and important advance. You know, we see breakthroughs in medicine, science, all the time. Uh, we'd like to see a breakthrough in medicine right about now, right? Uh, but we see breakthroughs in different, different areas, and we all uh, could probably use one in some area of our life, whether it's related to pandemic or not. Uh, the opposite of a breakthrough is a setback, isn't it? You've been, you have to take a step back in some way um, because of circumstances, because of events in your life. But again, there are times in all of our lives where we need some sort of a breakthrough. And the problem is for some of us, and even with the situation that we face right now with the pandemic, is that there seems to be so much in the way, right? There's just so much that we face that makes it difficult to see how a breakthrough is possible. And I want, I want you to think about it this way. I brought back my little my sand bucket here. Um, I want you to think about it this way. You know, this glass represents our lives, and typically... We've got so much going on in our lives, weighing us down, standing in the way. When we think about a breakthrough, uh, man, it's just impossible to see how we can move forward at times. I mean, you know, you think about, again, you know, we talk about the pandemic. I mean, you know, the sand represents the stuff that's in our lives, standing in the way. The pandemic is certainly part of that. Um, you know, we, we would like for medicine to have some sort of a breakthrough and and maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe that's the biggest thing in your life right now. We're all dealing with it. But maybe it's something else. You know, maybe it's the civil unrest, the racial division in our country right now, uh, the uncertainty, the fear that surrounds that. Maybe that's weighing you down. Maybe it's something along those lines. Maybe you're just overwhelmed and confused by life. Or maybe you're just, you know, overwhelmed by life in general. There's so much going on in your life, you don't know what to make of all of it. And it's weighing you down. It's standing in your way. You need a breakthrough. In one of those areas, maybe it's your family. I mean, you know, it could be your marriage. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your marriage. Uh, things aren't going well, and you don't know how to fix it. You don't know what to do. Maybe it's um, your kids. Maybe you need a breakthrough with your kids, and that's standing in the way, and you don't know how how you're going to make it, how they're going to make it. They're making bad decisions. You see them making bad decisions, and you can't seem to figure out a way to help them. Maybe it's some other relationship in your life. Maybe you're dating. Maybe you need a breakthrough in that area. Right? Maybe you're we talked about relationships, we talked about family. Maybe you're waiting on Mr. or Mrs. Wright, and Lord, just you know, show me who it is. You know, give me a breakthrough. Or maybe you're struggling in a relationship, and you need a breakthrough there. Maybe it's a friendship. You have a friend that you know is is struggling, and you can't seem to help them. You need a breakthrough there. Maybe it's some sort of a sin. You know, maybe you're struggling with a sin, an addiction. Uh, uh, you know, some sort of temptation, you know, it's just weighing you down and you don't know what to do. You need a breakthrough in that area. 
Um, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just sinful habits. Not any one thing, but several things. It's weighing you down and you need help. You need a breakthrough. Maybe it is the fact that you're trying to make a big decision in your life. Maybe it's a decision about your career or a decision about what school to go to or a decision about a relationship or you know your job itself. There are things going on in your job and you don't know what to do and it's weighing you down. You need a breakthrough. Hey, maybe you're hurting right now for whatever reason. You're just hurting. Something has happened in your life and you're hurting. You know, God uses, a lot of times, uses pain to prepare us for a breakthrough in ways like he doesn't in other areas. We learn in those situations. Matter of fact, Proverbs 20 verse 30 says this, says that blows and wounds scrub away evil and beatings purge the inmost being. Maybe you're not being beaten physically, but maybe you are emotionally. You're hurting right now. God may be using that to prepare you for a breakthrough. We have spiritual breakthroughs too. Maybe you're in need of a spiritual breakthrough. You know, I can look back over my life and see several times where I had breakthroughs, events in my life that God orchestrated to bring me to a point to where I was ready to hear his voice and to receive his direction. And that's what I'm praying for for our church, that over the next 35 days we will experience that. But with all of this in your life, how can you possibly expect to break through, to move forward? There's no room for anything else. There's no room for God. There's no room for his direction. Something's got to give, right? Uh, something will give eventually. So how do we get to that point? How do we receive or achieve a breakthrough? Well, that's what I'm hoping that we accomplish over the next 35 days. We're going to pray together as a church family, and we're going to talk about how to do that this morning. We're going to start with a day of fasting, and here's our goal over the next 35 days, all right? I want us to break free of everything that's holding us back, whatever that is, and whether it's, you know, the virus, fear, worry, stress, everything that's weighing us down. Everything in our lives that's weighing us down, I want us to break free of that. That's the title of this series that we're going to be in for the next two weeks. I want us to break free of that. And then I want us to break through by seeking God through fasting, prayer, and through feeding on his word. That's our goal for the next 35 days. We're going to start with the day of fasting tomorrow. I've been talking about this for several weeks now, leading up to this. I gave you a guide this past week. It's on our website. You can go to the website, big, right in the middle of the page, Breaking Free. Click on that, and you'll see the prayer guide and the fasting guide. And I'm challenging our church family to participate in a day of fasting tomorrow. And real quick, let me show you, let me tell you what that's going to look like. Uh, you've got a couple of options. We're not going to get too legalistic about how you do it. It's really up to you. Some of you may choose to do a sunrise to sunset fast tomorrow. Uh, some of you, our family, we're, we're, Mandy and I, we're going to do from 5 o'clock today to 5 o'clock tomorrow. Some of you may choose lunch to lunch tomorrow and the next day. Some of you may wait till 5 o'clock tomorrow night and then do it till Tuesday. The point is, is that we're missing three meals if you're doing a water-only fast. You miss three meals, water only for that, that day. You drink plenty of water, right? Okay, you want to make sure you stay hydrated. Um, all of this is in the guide uh, on the website. 
But also, if you can't do a water-only fast, let's say you've got a health problem, you're on some medication, you can't go without food that long, you can do a partial fast where you give up something, some sort of food. Maybe it's coffee, maybe it's <laughs> sweets or something like that, something you enjoy. And the purpose is that we are choosing to focus on the Lord instead of doing, instead of eating. Whatever, eating at all or eating whatever that is. And it shows God we're serious about this. We are serious about seeking his will and to, to hearing his voice. We don't want to get anything to stand in the way. And so we're going to start with that day of fasting tomorrow. And then we're going to follow that up starting tomorrow with 35 days of prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about how to do that this morning. So whatever you choose to do, we start tomorrow. And the reason we're doing this is because anytime anyone in the Bible sought a breakthrough, they did it by fasting and praying. And there are several examples. I could give you several examples of that. And I'm gonna, I just want to focus on two as we get started this morning. Let's start with David. And we see David, we see this in his life, but particularly I want to look at one example from his life. He's king of Israel during Israel's most powerful time. They're at the pinnacle of power. He's been chosen as king. He had a lot going for him. He had united the 12 tribes of Israel. Again, he's the most powerful man, uh, and, and his kingdom is at the pinnacle of their power. And what we see, and let me see if this rings true for you in your life. Usually after something really good comes something that's really challenging. After, after every mountaintop, there's usually a valley of some sort, right? After every victory, there's usually some sort of a test that comes, and that's what happens with David. Huge victory. He's king. Israel, he's united the tribes. Everybody is, I mean, it's the pinnacle of power. And, and pardon the phrase, but all heck breaks loose, okay? I mean, he, I mean, everything just seems to go out the window, and everything is up in the air, and suddenly... There's a great amount of uncertainty. Look at 1 Chronicles 14, verses 8 through 11. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they all went in search of David. Why did they go in search of him? The Philistines didn't like the Israelites and vice versa. They were wanting to snuff out his reign before it really got started. They were, they were wanting to, to defeat him. So David hears of this. When David heard of this, he went out to face them. Now the Philistines had come and raided in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of God. He sought the Lord. Should I go to war against the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied, Go and I will hand them over to you. So the Israelites went up to Baal Perazim, and David defeated the Philistines there. Then David said, like a bursting flood, God has used me to burst out or to break through or burst through my enemies. Therefore, they named that place, what? The Lord bursts out. Look at other translations, the Lord burst through. You could also say the Lord broke through. They name that place. The Philistines are trying to attack David. So what does David do? He seeks the Lord through prayer. He's scared. He's uncertain. So he goes to the Lord. He seeks the Lord through prayer. And that's what we're going to do over the next 35 days. We're going to seek the Lord through prayer. God told David he would have victory. Here's a word of advice for me, for everybody here, for everybody listening. Listen, never go to battle without asking God first. That's what David did. Lord, 
should I go to battle? Are you going to give me the victory? He sought the Lord before he acted. And after these 35 days, I want us to be able to name a place, whatever in our lives is in our way, I want us to be able to name that place the Lord broke through. That's what I want. That's my prayer for our church family, for myself, for my family. The Lord broke through. Another example, Jehoshaphat. He's another king in Israel. Um, He's just had a major, there's been a major spiritual revival in the the nation of Israel. Uh, He's facing overwhelming obstacle. Again, mountaintop experience, valley right after it. Victory, test, immediately following. And three enemy nations, it's not just any test, there are three different enemy nations who are coming against him in the nation of Israel. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 4. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, together with some of the Maonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already at Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was scared. Wouldn't you be? Three different armies, three different nations coming against you. It says Jehoshaphat was afraid. But what did he do? He resolved to seek the Lord. Just like David, he was uncertain. He was afraid. But he was able to take his mind off of his fear and focus on the Lord. He resolved to seek the Lord. And then what did he do? He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. He called the nation to fast. For all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They sought the Lord. How? Through prayer. They gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. So he's outmanned. He's outnumbered. And if there's any reason to be afraid, that's, that's a reason, right? You're outgunned. You're outmanned. You're outnumbered. There's no way conceivably, rationally, you can see a path to victory. I mean, by all accounts, by all appearances, you're about to be annihilated. So he's afraid. Natural reaction. Any of us would have been. Some of you may be afraid right now. And we've all experienced it. But Jehoshaphat was able to move away from his worry and his fear and refocus on the Lord. He focuses on God. And that's what I want us to do over the next 35 days. Whatever it is that's causing you anxiety, worry, fear, whatever's weighing you down, I want us to be able to move our hearts and our minds' attention away from that and to refocus on the Lord. He proclaimed a fast, verse 3, for everyone's. We're doing that tomorrow. Why? Well, it helps us to focus on the Lord, but it also tells God we're serious about this. We're serious about seeking you and hearing you and focusing, refocusing our attention on you. But there are four things that we learn from both of these guys, but I specifically look at Jehoshaphat. Four things that we learn about having a spiritual breakthrough. Four things, because what we see is whenever someone in Scripture, whenever they achieved a breakthrough, typically they sought it. They did something. They, they went after it. You can't just sit back and say, okay, God, I want a breakthrough, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read your word. Just give me a breakthrough, Lord. You know, he could do that, but that's not what he chooses to do. 
When we see people achieve a breakthrough, just like with David, just like with Jehoshaphat and countless other examples in Scripture, they sought it. And there's some things that we can do to seek a breakthrough, to have a spiritual breakthrough. Let's look at Jehoshaphat. What did he do? Well, number one, he, instead of uh, worrying, he refocused on the Lord. That's number one, refocus on the Lord. This isn't your handout, but this is a list, and we'll see how that plays out for us. He refocused on God, and you need to do that. you got to get your mind off of what you're worried about and refocus on the Lord. Number two, he resolved to seek the Lord. He focused on the Lord, and then he resolved to not only focus on him, but to seek his direction, his will. David did that too, Lord. Will, will you give me victory? Should I go fight the Philistines? Then he fasted. He fasted. Why? Again, this helps us focus on the Lord, but it also tells God we're serious. And he called on the nation to fast. And then all of the people sought God through prayer. They all sought God through prayer. That's what we're going to do. You know, in 2 Chronicles 20, it's a great source in our CBR journal the other day. It's amazing how God brings those things together, right? I had planned to reference this before. I realized, I guess I knew it was coming, but, you know, I can do the math chapter by chapter. But it was just neat to read through that the other day. It's a great story, right? I mean, you know, the nation goes on to achieve a, they didn't achieve it. God achieved a great victory. They didn't really have to do anything, right? The armies fought each other and killed each other. Great victory, great story. And at the end, this all happens in a valley. This battle goes on in a valley. And at the end of the battle, they rename that valley of battle a valley of blessing. That's another thing I want us to be able to do at the end of this 35 days is to rename this valley a valley of blessing. So how do we do this? We've seen the steps. How do we do it? Well, Paul shows us this in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Familiar passage. Went through Philippians a year ago in a series, a little over a year ago. It was in our CBR reading not too long ago. But we're going to look at how Paul shows us to do this in Philippians 4, 6 through 8. He says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought or which transcends all human comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. Within that we see... The steps, four habits that will help us achieve a spiritual breakthrough or be in a position to, for God to give us a spiritual breakthrough. Let's start at the first one. Number one, he says, worry about nothing. Easier said than done, right? Worry about nothing. If you look at the Amplified Translation, it says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. Again, we break this commandment all the time, and I'll put myself at the front of the line. I've told you before, this is something I struggle with. And I'm going to tell you, preparing for this message, and as you hear me preach it, you'll understand why if you're a worrier, but preparing for this message has, has been difficult for me because I know I struggle with this. And I know it's a lack of faith, y'all. I mean, just being honest, it's a lack of faith because we worrying, we accomplish nothing. We should not worry. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own. In the Matthew chapter 6, 
speaks to this. I mean, God's promised to take care of us, but we spend so much of our emotional time and energy, spiritual energy, worrying about things that will never happen. Either we're agonizing over things in our past and, and regretting those things, or we're worried about the future and we're worried about what if it may or may not happen. And we're ruining our lives while not in the present while not accomplishing anything. You know, you can crucify yourself on the cross of regret of the past or worry about the future. And then in, in the meantime, ruin the present. Um, worrying, here's what worrying is, imagining the future in the worst possible way. Focusing on my fears instead of focusing on God. It's worrying. It's imagining the future, worrying about the worst possible outcome, and then freaking out about it. And we do that. We go through all the scenarios. Believe me, I'm an expert. I know. We go through all the scenarios. What could possibly happen? The worst possible outcome. Imagining the future. It's like carrying a huge backpack full of bricks around all the time. It's exhausting. And it, and it makes you miserable in the present. It's imagining the worst possible outcome. But the thing is, worry never changed anything. It's useless. It accomplishes absolutely nothing. It does nothing to change the future. It can't change the past. It can't control the future. It can only make you miserable in the present. That's what worry does. It makes you miserable. And here's the truth. This, I heard someone say... If I prayed as much as I worried, I'd have a whole lot less to worry about. And that's, the Lord brought me under conviction about that. That's one of the reasons where I'm doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing with you today what God has placed on mine and Mandy's hearts for our, ourselves and our family, and I'm encouraging you to come alongside us, all right? I mean, because if I worried, if I prayed as much as I worried, I'd have a whole lot less to worry about. I believe that's true. Worry is focusing on my fears instead of God. Worry, I've heard it said, I've heard this said a few different ways. I've heard it called functional atheism or practical atheism. Why is it? Because when I worry, I'm acting as if I don't have a heavenly father who is the sovereign ruler of all and who's promised to take care of me. Because if I really believe that God is going to take care of me, I would do as Jesus said and not worry about tomorrow. Because he's got that under control. He holds me in his hands. He's going to take care of me. Then I don't need to worry about tomorrow. But when I worry, I'm acting like I don't have that. And I'm acting like my future's up to me. That I, it's what I make of it. But yes, I need to be faithful. And, you know, that's why we're doing, part of why we're doing this. Faithful to study, faithful to pray, faithful to get in the word. But my future ultimately is not up to me. You know, if it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. That's something you would read in a, in a self-help book, right? But the truth is, if it's to be, it's up to God. And if I focus on him and I, I, I recognize and live as if my life is in his hands, then I'm letting him be God, Lord, over my life. You know, if you or I are going to break the habit of worry, here's the key, okay? We've got to be able to take, just like David did, just like Jehoshaphat, did we've got to be able to take our focus off of our worries and our fears and we've got to refocus on God we've got to focus on something else and fasting can help us do that 
Fasting can help us focus. Lord, I need you more than food. When I'm hungry, Lord, I'm focused on you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your will. I'm going to study your word. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to fill that time with focusing on you. Fasting can help us do that. Look at Romans 8, 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We've got to let the Holy Spirit of God control our hearts and our minds. We've got to refocus on Him. The key to overcoming worry is not, and listen, I've tried this too, is not saying, I'm not going to worry. 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 Because what do I do when I do that? I start worrying. It's like telling a batter, don't strike out. Now what's he thinking about? It's like telling, like if you were a smoker, saying, I'm not going to smoke today. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about smoking? It's not how it works. The key is taking your mind off of that, not focusing on what you don't want to do, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ and your dependence upon him. We refocus. How do I switch my focus? Through fasting and prayer. Look at Daniel chapter 9. Daniel was a faster. (laughs) We see he's another example. Daniel chapter 9, the kingdom's falling apart. Babylon is where they are right now. The nation of Israel, the Medes and the Persians are taking over. Daniel's worried. But he didn't stay that way. Look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions. With fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. He turned his attention to the Lord. He sought the Lord. He refocused on the Lord. And he did it through fasting and prayer. And then while Daniel's praying, King Cyrus comes into power. He lets the Jews, those Jews who are in exile, Daniel's in exile. Uh, he, he had been in exile, and he stays there. He, he has a, a position, a pretty powerful position for a Jew. Um, but the Jews that are in exile, King Cyrus lets them go home. And Ezra, a guy named Ezra, who wrote a book in the Bible called, you guessed it, Ezra, he is going to lead these, these um, captives back home. He helps lead the Jews back home. And the Jews are worried about going back home after 70 years of exile. I mean, you know, I'd be concerned too, right? All they'd ever known was Babylon, uh, which is now ta- being taken over by the Medes and Persians, or has been. But then in Ezra chapter 8, verse 23, we read, So we fast, they were worried. So what did they do? We fasted. And pleaded with our God about this, and he granted our request. They took their focus off their worries, and they fasted and prayed. And then it says, he granted our request, or another translation, he heard our prayer. God heard their prayer. They're praying together. Folks, there's power when God's people pray together. There's power when, you know, the prayers of a righteous man accomplishes much. That's one of the verses from the video. But there's power in a supernatural way when God's people pray together. So over the next 35 days, we're going to pray together. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to take our mind off of our worries. We're not going to live in fear. All this stuff that's weighing us down, and we're going to focus on the Lord. That's my prayer for us. We begin with a fast tomorrow. Again, doesn't matter how you do it, when you do it. It's just we're going to do it together, okay? Doesn't matter if you can do a full water fast, only fast. If you can do a, a partial fast, all right? Um, you know, I don't recommend that you make your kids fast. I've got a 12-year-old boy who would die of starvation by about 3 o'clock this afternoon if I made him fast, okay? But they're gonna, we're going to do something special with him. 
Maybe give up treats for the day, okay? Or something. And instead of doing that, we're going to pray together as a family. We're going to study the word together as a family. There are different ways, depending on where you are and what you can do. We're going to do this together as a church family. We're serious about a breakthrough. Joel 1.14 says, Announce a fast, a sacred fast. Proclaim an assembly. Gather the elders and all the residents of the land at the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're going to pray together. We're going to fast together. We're going to seek God together. God, we're serious about this. We want to break through. We want to know what you want to accomplish through all of this and what you want to accomplish through us individually and as a church. What do you want? So worry about nothing. Instead, focus on the Lord. Second habit is pray about everything. The most basic remedy for worry and anxiety is prayer. It's prayer. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Remember, if we prayed as much as we worried, we'd have less to worry about. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. D.A. Carson says this. He says, I've yet, and then again, this is, listen, I came across this in my study, and it was like the Lord just whacked me right over the head. All right? D.A. Carson says, if I've yet to meet a chronic worrier who enjoys an excellent prayer life. Because if we worried as much as, or if we prayed as much as we worried, We'd have a whole lot less to worry about. You wouldn't be a chronic worrier. You know, you can talk to God about anything. That's, that's what's amazing about our relationship with the Lord. One of the amazing things, there's a lot that's amazing, but I can talk to God about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. He wants to hear it. He already knows it, but he still wants to hear, right? Can I talk to God if I'm a teenager? Can I talk to God about my face breaking out? Yeah, you can. He, he'd love to hear it. He knows it already, but he'd love to hear it. Can I talk to God about the fact that, you know, I'm worried about paying the bills this month? Well, yeah, yeah, you can talk to God about that. Can I talk to God about the fact that, you know, I'm scared about everything that's going on? Yeah, you can talk to God about that. Can I talk to God about what shirt I'm going to pick out to wear for church Sunday morning? Yeah, you can talk to God about that. I mean, whatever. He wants to hear it. Big, small, doesn't matter. We can go to God with anything. That's the freedom we have in Christ. We can talk to God about anything that's on our hearts. Look at the next part of verse 6, Philippians 4. But in everything, not just some things, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, and we'll talk about that in a moment, present your requests to God. Let your requests be made known. He already knows them, but he wants to hear it anyway. It's about us focusing on him and recognizing our dependence upon him. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry about it. Now, of course, God doesn't worry. What's the point there? Either I can carry around that backpack full of bricks myself, my worries, my concerns, or I can let God have it and let him deal with it. And that's the choice. Either I can try to do it and fail miserably, or I can let him handle it. Psalm 88 verse 9 says, my eyes are worn out from crying. You ever feel that way? Lord, I cry out to you all day long, and I spread out my hands to you. That phrase, I spread out my hands, that's what we're going to do. All right, I'm going to show you. You can do that like this, or you can do that like this, can't you? And so I'm going to show you over the next 35 days, here's what I'm challenging us to do, all right? For five minutes, three times a day, three times a day, five minutes at a time, I'm challenging all of us as a church family to pray together. Now, some of you seasoned prayer warriors think, my, that's nothing. But some of you who 
maybe aren't, maybe you're a new believer, maybe you aren't a prayer warrior like you should be, five minutes maybe seems like a lot of time. Well, I'm going to give you a guide. I've already given it to you. It's on the website. Again, click Breaking Free. It's there, but I'm going to walk through this with you and show you how you can use both your hands to pray for five minutes a day at least and to, to direct you in your prayers to show you what to pray for, all right? And we're going to be doing this together, and I want you to think about what God can accomplish if we do this together. So let's just start. The left hand shows you who to pray for, and the right hand, just reverse it, because I know y'all are looking on the other side, but uh, I can't do it that way. So <laughs> left hand shows you who to pray for, and the right hand will show you what to pray for. All right, so what does this look like? Well, let's take the, the left hand. All right, when I'm praying, what's closest to my heart? Which finger is closest to my heart? The thumb, right? So the thumb reminds me, when I'm talking about who to pray for, it reminds me to pray for the things that are closest to my heart. So I'm going to pray for family and friends. Pray for my wife or your husband, my kids, extended family. I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my friends, those people that are closest to me in my life. I'm going to pray for their health, their well-being, all the, whatever, whatever God brings to your mind. All right, but that's going to guide me. I'm going to pray for my family and my friends. All right, what about the index finger? What do we do with the index finger? We point. You shouldn't point at people because it's rude, so I'm going to point at the back wall, all right? But we point which direction to go, don't we? That's one of the things we do with it. Which direction? Now, who are the people in your life that give you direction? Teachers and leaders. So this is going to remind me, my left hand, who to pray for. It's going to remind me to pray for teachers and leaders. This could be your connection group teacher, leader. It could be your teacher in school. It could be, you know, local leaders, our mayor, the governor, the president, leaders, any leaders that God brings to your mind. You're praying for those, those teachers and those leaders, that they will seek the Lord and be guided by him or whatever God leads you to pray. Well, what about this finger, it's the tallest finger, right? It stands above the rest. So when I'm looking at this finger, the third finger, that reminds me to pray for the influencers in our society, the people that have the greatest influence. Now, who are the people in our society? Of course, leaders do, but other people. Think about it. Let's be honest. Who are the people in our society who have the greatest influence? Celebrities, athletes, famous folks. That people that have a platform from which they can speak. You know, we may not like it that they're influencers, but they influence. And, and there are a lot of times we talk about, we disagree with what they say, but how much do we pray for them? We need to pray for the influencers in our society, whoever that is, whoever the Lord brings to your attention, whoever has the greatest influence, pray for those individuals that they would submit to the Lord, that God would use them. Well, what about the third finger? The third finger or the fourth finger, rather, you, you realize that this is the weakest finger? I mean, you can't hold anything with just this finger. You can't even move it without the other ones moving, right? I mean, it's weak. So what does this remind me to pray for? It reminds me to pray for the weak in our society, the sick right now, always, but right now, the poor, those who are in need, um, children, you know, Whoever's weak, whatever weakness they have, I'm going to pray for them. That reminds me. And then the last finger, the pinky finger, reminds me to pray for myself. You need to pray for yourself. 
But I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it last, right? Because I want to pray for others first. I want to put others above myself. But it reminds me to pray for myself, my needs, you know, the, or pray for my heart, you know, pray for, for what's, what's going on in my life, whatever I need to pray for. I'm praying for myself. Okay, so that's who to pray for. Now let's look at what to pray for. Same thing. The thumb is closest to your heart. So you're going to pray for things that are closest to your heart. Well, what is that? Well, I'm going to pray for my heart. <laughs> pray for the condition of my heart to begin with. Lord, you know, is my heart right with you? You know, guide my heart. We're told in Scripture that we need to guard our hearts, that we should love the Lord with all of our hearts. So I'm going to pray for the condition of my heart. God, is my heart right with you? Is there any sin in my life that needs to be confessed? Is there anything that, that I don't know about, Something I'm being, some area I'm being disobedient? Lord, the condition of my heart. But then I can pray for the heart of my wife. I can pray for the heart of my children, the heart of my friends, the heart of my boss, the heart of my coworkers. Pray for the condition of the heart. And then the index finger, we talked about it points people in the right direction, but it also represents the number one, right? What's first in my life? You know, so this is going to remind me to pray for what's first. You know, we should all, first thing in the morning, the first thing that we do, spend time with the Lord, we should ask him before we start our days, Lord, what do you want me to do first today? What is it that you want me to do first, second, third, so on? You know, we've all got to-do lists, right? If you're like me, you've got about 10 of them. In my iPad, my phone, I'm a list maker. So we've got to-do lists, but how do we determine what's at the top of that list? What comes first? And also, listen, how do we determine what not to do? We've all got to-do lists probably, but how many of us have a not-to-do list? Lord, what do you not want me to do? You know, there are some things I should do and some things I shouldn't do. So what do you want me to not do today? And then, of course, again, the third finger, the tallest finger, stands above the rest. And so in terms of what to pray for, that we've prayed about the influencers in our society. Well, how about I pray for my influence, an example. Lord, I want to be an example for you. I want to lead others to you. Pray for your own influence, an example. God has placed people in your life to influence. It may be your kids. It may be your spouse. It may be a Sunday school class. It may be someone you're discipling, mentoring. Um, maybe you need to be doing that and you're not. Lord, I want to I point people to you. I want to influence people for you. So pray about your own influence. And then, of course, the fourth finger, the ring finger, reminds us to pray for relationships. In terms of what to pray for, pray for your relationships. Again, your husband, your wife, your children. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a, a co-worker. Maybe it's your relationship to your boss. Maybe it's a relationship to the people that work for you. Maybe it's uh, somebody else. I mean, maybe you're in a, a dating relationship. Again, maybe you need a spiritual, or you need a breakthrough there. Maybe it's a friendship, whatever. Pray for your relationships, that they would be God-centered, and that they would glorify God in everything that you do. And then the little finger, the last finger, reminds us to pray for material blessings. It's okay to pray for material blessings. And I think y'all probably know me well enough to know I'm not a name-it-claim-it guy, right? But it's okay to pray for material blessings. It's just not the most important thing. That's why it's last, okay? I mean, God's not going to make everybody a millionaire, all right? This isn't one of those, if you have enough faith, you know, God will fill your bank account. No, I mean, he doesn't choose to do that. He may choose to do that. If he does, praise the Lord. But, but, you know, he has said that he will supply all of our needs 
according to his riches in Christ Jesus, right? So it's okay to pray for a material blessing. He said he'll supply all your needs, not all your greeds, but he will take care of you. Again, it's just not the most important thing. And here's the deal. If you skip all of the, all of these and all of these and go straight to here, you've missed the point. All right? But we need to pray for our material blessings, that God will take care of us and take care of our family. It's okay to pray for those things. So you think about this. If we do this habit three times a day, five, five minutes at a time, if you just follow that pattern, five minutes is going to go by just like that. Not that that's the point, but if you're worried about praying for five minutes, there you go. And again, think about this, folks. If we, as a church family, all do this together for 35 days, man, that's pretty powerful. You know, we average about 250 a Sunday when we're all here, and we're still holding that between here and at home, somewhere along that, that, those lines. Let's just say 200 do that. Wouldn't it be great to know that 200 people were praying for you three times a day? I mean, just selfishly, it'd be pretty great, right? I mean, we're praying, we're seeking the Lord together as a church family. And I believe God will honor that. And listen, we're doing it for 35 days leading up to August. That's, you know, essentially, hopefully, when school will start back. And, you know, we're, we've got some dates tentatively we're looking forward to kind of to move forward as a church. Um, but, you know, 35 days is not a magical number. I just want us to get, I don't want this to be something we do just for 35 days. I want this to be something we do for the rest of our lives. Pray together as a family, as a church family. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. Matthew 6, 6. Go into your private room. When you pray, go into your private room, Jesus says. Shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees it will reward you. Get alone with the Lord and pray. All right, we're going to go through the next two things. I know we're, we're going a little longer today, but y'all just hang with me, okay? Worry about nothing, pray about everything, and thank God in all things. The more grateful you are in life, the more breakthroughs you'll have in life. With thanksgiving, Paul says, in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, think about it. If all your kids ever do, maybe they do this. I'm not saying mine do or don't. But if all your kids ever did was ask, 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 and never thank you for anything, that'd make you feel kind of lousy, wouldn't it? My kids are grateful for the most part. Again, maybe your kids do that. It doesn't feel too good, does it? Well, how do you think God feels if all we ever do is ask, 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 and never thank him for anything or tell him that we love him? I mean, he knows the condition of our hearts with thanksgiving. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in everything. That's key. In everything. For this is God's will for you. you know, in everything. It doesn't say for everything. There's some things in life that we, don't, we shouldn't be thankful for. I'm not thankful for the coronavirus, and I don't think God wants me to be thankful for that. I'm not thankful when someone loses a loved one or when I lose somebody that's close to me. I'm not thankful when something bad happens to my wife or my kids. There are some things in life we shouldn't be thankful, and that's not what it's saying. It's saying even in those moments, you can be thankful. There's plenty I have that I can think about that I can be thankful for. And in those moments where life is tough, we think back on what God has done in the past and we give thanks. In Psalm 16, verse 7, David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my conscience instructs me. I'm going to praise the Lord. He gives me counsel. Even when it's nighttime, even when things are dark, I'm going to give thanks in everything. 
And there are a couple of ways that you can give thanks. One is just write out a list, something I encourage you to do over the next 35 days. Write out a list of the top or 50 things you can think of to be thankful for. Exercises like that will remind us of the blessings that God has given us in the past. Psalm 118, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks. Write out a list of things to be thankful for. And hey, give God a thanksgiving offering. You know, pray about what the Lord might lead you to do. If God's blessed you a lot this past year, give a large offering. If he's blessed you a little bit, give, give I mean, that, that just reminds us to be grateful of the things that God has blessed us with. So give thanks in everything. And the fourth habit is this. So we're going to worry about nothing, pray about everything, give thanks in all things, not for all things, but in all things. And then we're going to stay focused on true things. This is a mental change that will lead to a spiritual change. I'm taking, remember, David and Jehoshaphat both took their mind, their focus off their worries, and they focused on the Lord. So it's a mental change that will lead to a spiritual change. And it's a change of mind that will lead to a change of heart. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is, is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's any praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on good things. Dwell on the truth. Verse 8 in the New Living Translation says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things. Dwell on these things. You know, we lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? We tell our th- ourselves things are really good when they're not as good as they are, we think they are. We tell ourselves that things are really, really bad when they're really not as bad as we think they are. We've just convinced ourselves. We've worried ourselves. We've whipped ourselves into a frenzy. We lie to ourselves all the time. Society lies to us all the time too, right? If you don't look good enough, you're not valuable. We see that everywhere. Advertising, television, movies. If you're not good academically or athletically, you're not valuable. If you don't look a certain way, or if you don't think a certain way, then you're not valuable. We hear those lies all the time. Lies, lies, lies. Well, let me tell you something. You are valuable to God. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how smart you are. If you, if you are alive today, you are valuable to God. And he wants you to experience his love in your life. And he wants to fill your life with the truth. Think about the truth. How do we get the truth? We get the truth from here. We've got to put it in us. We've got to be in the word so the word will be in us. If you want to dwell on good things, if you want to dwell on honorable things, pure things, if you want to be able to think about and dwell on the truth, then you've got to know the truth. Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And his word is where we find the truth. We've got to dwell on the truth. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. And we're going to spend time in his word. If you have a CBR journal, you're already set up for that. If you've got the Bible app, you can get set up for that. There are tons of Bible studies, tons of devotionals. Let me encourage you, don't just fast. Don't just pray. Allow God to speak to you through his word. Saturate your heart and your mind with the word of God. You want to refocus your heart and your mind on the Lord? Then listen to his word. 
Spend time in his word. And I'm not just talking about a devotional reading. Yes, that's important. But I'm talking about meditating on scripture. Take a few scriptures from your CBR reading each day and meditate on those scriptures. If you're not a part of a group where you're sharing your, your thought of the day or your action from the CBR journal, join a group, two or three people, one person, and share that. Challenge each other with the Word of God. Spend time in the Word. You know, a lot of us, we spend hours on social media. We spend hours, and listen, I'm thankful for it for this purpose, but, you know, we spend hours on social media, Netflix, television, you know, whatever streaming service you have, the internet, we spend hours and hours and hours, and some of us only spend seconds in this a day, or at the very least, a whole lot less. How are we ever going to fill our minds with the truth if that's the case? We need to be spending time in the Word of God so that He can fill us with His truth, so we can combat the lies, because I'm going to tell you, God will never lie to you, ever. The world will. You'll lie to yourself. Other people will. But God will never lie to you. What's the result of doing these four things? Verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses every thought beyond all human comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The result is you will experience God's peace. And what's peace? Well, that's your heart, your mind, your emotions are at rest. The world can be falling apart around you, but you're at rest. You're at peace. At peace. I want to read Job chapter 11. And then Gracie's going to help me finish up here in just a minute. She's only slightly nervous about that. But Job chapter 11 speaks to us so powerfully. I mean, if anybody ever struggled, it was Job, right? Verse 13, if only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Lift up your hands. How we do it like this or like this? Stretch out your hands to God in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all iniquity behind you. Confess your sins. Leave it behind. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. And then, listen to this, then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You will forget your misery and it will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and at rest and safety. You'll be at rest. You will lie down unafraid. Also could be translated, you'll sleep without fear and without worry. A good night's sleep. Man, sounds good, doesn't it? And many will look to you for help. Peace from God. Now, Gracie, why don't you come on up here? get you to help me. Y'all bear with me for a few more minutes. Hopefully this will be interesting. Okay, Gracie, I'm going to get you to do something for me, okay? Take this piece of paper and hold on a minute. You got to let me get my timer out. All right, you ready? So here's what you're going to do. I'm going to give you these scissors and what I want you to do is make this and you've got a minute to do it, okay? All right, you ready? You can look at it. Make this. You've got a minute to do it. All right, you ready? Set, go. Come on, Gracie, you can do it. No pressure. You're doing good. Keep going. See, I told you I wasn't going to make you say anything. Okay, you got 
30 seconds. Keep going. Don't pay attention to me. You'll cut yourself. Keep going. No, you're good. Keep going. <laughs> 25 seconds. You got to actually try. Come on. Who says I'm not trying? Okay, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. 15 seconds. 10 seconds. Five seconds. Don't look at me. You're going to cut your finger off. <laughs> All right, time's up. Okay. I don't think you were trying hard, but I'll give you that. I'll give you, okay. All right, so she was a little bit off. Not quite the same as this. Okay, so here's what I do, okay? I'm going I'm to give you a little advantage. You can ask someone else to help you, okay? Now, we can do this social distancing. So if somebody wants to you can ask Timmy if you want somebody in the family. You can ask anybody in this room to help you that's willing to do it. So you want to ask Timmy? Do you want to ask a volunteer? What you want to do here? Kurt's willing to help, okay? All right. All right. If you know the trick, you're, you're just mean, but no. Go ahead. Uh, there's a scissors and paper. They've been sanitized. They're on the thing. So here's what we'll do. We'll do six feet. So, Gracie, you stand on the on the the edge of the stage. Kirk, you stay down there. And again, I'm going to give you the same amount of time. I'll give you a minute and you can have at it, okay? All right, you ready? Gracie, you can coach him if, you need, if, he, needs, and if he needs coaching, all right? All right, here we go. Go. Nobody gets in trouble. You get credit for participation. Huh? All right, you got 30 seconds here. Oh, my timer went off. 25 seconds, okay. You're supposed to be helping him, Gracie. Come on. <laughs> All right, you got 13 seconds. I thought I knew how to do it. You, you're, you're close. <laughs> Four seconds. Shaking. I'm so nervous. I know, <laughs> no pressure. No. Yeah. All right, time's up. You had the right idea, okay? It, it was close. Nobody wants to hear my timer. Okay, it was close. Here, we got to hold it up. All right, everybody give them a hand, but don't go anywhere yet. All right, good job. Thank you guys for participating close and you had the right idea you were headed in the right direction here's the thing though i said you could ask anybody in the room right which meant you could ask me but you didn't because it doing this by yourself without help is just about impossible just looking at it but here i'll show you how to do it are you ready yes. we don't have to stand six feet apart you're my daughter all right here we go you ready yes that's right, really hard are you, <laughs> are you sure you're ready See, my hands are shaking too, Kirk. You got me nervous. Hands are shaking because I'm actually cutting something in front of a room full of people. All right. So, see, Kirk, you had the right idea, man. You just folded it the wrong way. So, there you go. Simple as that. You could have asked me, and I would have helped you. I would have been willing to help you. How many times in life do we ask everybody in the world around us for help and the last person we go to is the Lord? We do that, don't we? I need help. Somebody else help me. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Gracie. We ask everybody but who we should ask to begin with. 
we should ask the Lord because we can't get rid of all this stuff in our lives on our own. Truth is, nobody else ultimately can help us do that. They can't give us a spiritual breakthrough. Only God can do that. And so over the next 35 days, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to, sorry, Gracie, but we're not going to do this with our lives because that's what will happen if we try to, maybe that's where some of you are today. If we try to do it on our own, that's going to be the result. We're going to seek the Lord. And of course, in order to do that, you've got to have a relationship with God. You've got to know him personally and intimately. And the only way to do that is through salvation. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and offers you the greatest breakthrough you'll ever experience. And that's salvation through him alone. And so if you're here today at home and you need to know Jesus, you can cry out to him right now and ask for forgiveness of your sins and he'll come into your life and save you. And if you don't know what that means, then you can contact me and I'll share with you what that means. You can contact us through email, info at wallhighway.com and I'll be ready to talk to you and we'll get, we'll, we'll get together and, and talk about where you are spiritually. Maybe you've got questions about the church. Maybe you've got questions about what we're doing through this 35 days of prayer. You know, whatever it is. If, if you're here today at home and you want to talk, then you send an email and we'll set up a time to meet over Zoom or something, you know, in person, whatever. But what I want to do is we finish out two things I'm challenging us to do. And the question is, is are you willing to do these two things? Number one, are you willing to pray three times a day for five minutes at a time using that guide or however the Lord leads you? And are you willing to start tomorrow with a day of fasting? Whenever in the day you choose to do that. And if you will do that, if we'll do that together, I believe God will lead us and guide us into the next chapter of ministry here at Wall Highway. And I believe he'll give you a spiritual or physical breakthrough breakthrough in whatever it is that you're facing in your life. But I'm going to have a word of prayer, and I'll have a few instructions for you, and then we'll be finished, all right? Let's pray together. Let's start our time, 35 days of prayer, praying together. Father, we thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for your willingness to speak to us, willingness to hear our prayers, big and small, everything that's on our hearts and minds and willingness to lead us. And we know that that is possible because we have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And I know, also know it's possible that there may be somebody here today or somebody at home that doesn't have that relationship. And I pray that they will contact me and allow me to share with them how to make that decision. Or if they're struggling with something else, they need prayer, they need guidance, they just need a friend that they would contact this church so that we can love them and counsel them. Somebody here today struggling with something that we can offer support and help. But Lord, we thank you that when we seek you, you will make yourself known. If we seek you with all of our hearts, you will reveal yourself to us. You don't want to hide your will from us. You don't want it to be a mystery. Lord, there are times, things we need to do, confess sin, refocus on you, get our mind off the worries and fears of life, and seek you through prayer and through your word, through, through fasting, and that's what we're going to do. Starting tomorrow, for the next 35 days, Lord, we seek you. We ask you to direct us. We ask you to guide us. And we thank you in advance. We thank you for everything you've done in the past, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the future. Lord, we owe you everything, and we thank you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, so if you're visiting with us for the first time, if you've been online maybe for the first time, you want some more information about the church, again, that slide, info at wallhighway.com is the email to use uh, to do that, and we'll respond and, and, uh, and touch base with you. I do have a few announcements that I'm going to try to run through quickly. So y'all, I'll talk fast if you listen fast, okay? Uh, a couple of things, of course, our offering, we continue to take those in the, in the white boxes at the exits uh, in the children's building. In this building, there'll also be somebody holding uh, an offering plate, so you can do that. Um, the ushers are going to release you in just a second. Back to front again, uh, we need to maintain that six-foot distance. We can fellowship outside in the, in the parking lot couple of things to take note of. This is uh, July the fourth week, a holiday week, so we will not have any Wednesday night activities, adult Bible study. We will not have that online or in person. Same with the youth worship and with children's activities. We won't have anything Wednesday night. Um, got a lot of folks traveling and that sort of thing, and, uh, and so we won't do that. Also, uh, this would have been deacons meeting week, but we're moving that to next Wednesday, the 8th. July the 8th. So we'll have Dickens meeting uh, Wednesday night, July the 8th at 7.40 p.m. Uh, again, 35 days of prayer starts tomorrow with a day of fasting. Your prayer guide and your fasting guide are online. Go to the website, click on Breaking Free. You'll find all of that, including the fasting prep that I sent you. It's got some good health information. Directs you to a website, Campus Crusade for Christ website. Great information about fasting there. So all of that is on the website. Uh, the fasting guide, the prayer guide, everything. You'll also find the discussion guide for today on the website um, in a different location under announcements. You can find that, or next to the sermon notes, uh, rather. Uh, where, wherever you find the sermon notes, you'll find the discussion guide as well. Um, and, and again, let me just remind you, sign up, continue to sign up for the service every week uh, so we know, have an idea of who's coming. Um, I won't keep you any longer. God bless you. Thank you. I'll go let you, if you're starting, go let you enjoy that, that uh, last meal like, like we are before we start at five o'clock today. Enjoy the day. God bless you. And thank you for being here. You're dismissed.